You're listening to the Rectu Tech podcast. We connect the tech thought leaders across the globe to deliver content that allows you to make better career and hiring decisions. Uh, my name is Lewis Adams Dunstan, and I head up the US division of Darwin Recruitment, where we provide um, top level IT solutions for businesses across America. Uh, today, I'm going to be joined by Nancy Lee, um, who is one of the leaders in the field when it comes to group product management within AI. Welcome, Nancy. Hi, Stuart. Um, thanks for having me. Thanks for thanks for coming. So, Nancy is actually a PhD in material science and engineering from BU. Yeah. Um, understand at the age of 24, you was actually one of the youngest in your program history. Yeah, for my Switching PhD it. program. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, with over 14 publications, um, one patent. And uh, you also got your business degree from MIT, right? Yeah, I went awesome. to MIT. Um, so on top of this, Nancy has also sat as a keynote and panelist at many different public speaking events um, that are focused on topics like IoT, uh, smart cities, and edge computing. Um, in her current role, which is at a Fortune 20 uh, technology company, she leads the entire product definition and commercialization strategy of new products that leverage uh, 5G and mobile edge computing. Um, Nancy actually has a, a really interesting story and offers lots of coaching advice, um, negotiation skills, um, and influence opportunities on her YouTube channel, which we'll touch on a little bit later. Um, but I actually wanted to dig a little deeper into her journey when it kind of comes from her start within fashion design to being a lead product woman within AI. Yeah. So um, Nancy, if you could kind of start us off telling us where you're from, what it is you do. Yeah, so I came from China 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. At that time, I only had $800 when I moved to the United States. And a few years later, as you noticed earlier, I became the youngest PhD from Boston University. And the path through fashion design to technology wasn't that easy. And just earlier in my career, I had to always make justifications for myself trying to make transition because people always make like tags on me, put a label saying, oh, earlier she was from fashion design, she didn't know any engineering. And after I got into the engineering field, want to become the, the technology leaders in terms of being a product manager. Now I need to know the business side. Then people always put labels on me, say, oh, she's a PhD. She doesn't know business. <laughs> so I have always trying to learn how to use the influencing and the negotiation skills to get to where I am. Okay. Not the typical transition from fashion design to, right. to technology though. So how, how did you go about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that a little bit seren- uh, serendipity, um, but when I look into the details, I would say there are like three steps approach. And first of all, I rebelled my family to transition from fashion design to any engineering field. It's very personal. Earlier in my life, my dad just made decision. He was like, you know, for any woman, you're better to study something suitable for women. I think fashion design is very suitable for you. And after you graduate, very easy to get a job and you can marry a rich man. Those kind of mentality. But at the time I was only 17, I didn't fight back with my dad. But in my head was like, what if I don't want to marry a rich man? I want to marry 
serious, sexy man. So all the like crazy stuff going on. Then I finally spent four years in fashion design school, but still had the rebellion with my dad. Then I decided to apply for grad schools in the United States. Eventually, I got five offers with full scholarship, and yeah, I didn't pay any money. That's why I only came in with eight hundred dollars. And those offers, most of them, has nothing to do with. Fashion design. They're in like computer science, material science, and also um, environmental engineering. I wish I took computer science path. Then my next transition will be easier. But I choose to do a PhD in material science. That's the the first transition, which I see is the hardest transition. So the next jump was to transition from someone who's a scientist into. Like doing something more business focused or more around the personality kind of style, then I I was able to again transition into more towards the technical product managers in a robotics company. That's step two, and step three was being able to know how to sell myself, position myself, influence, and negotiate to gain the third jump into the AI space, which. At that time, honestly, when I interviewed for that product manager position in the AI space, I had no clue how to like use AI to solve problems for cities. I never had experience in that space. Somehow, I got in and I crashed it. So the the product we launched was to use AI and IoT to help cities to reduce car crashes, and it was awarded as mayor's best practice in 2017. Now it's in 10 different cities. But the transition I see in general is very hard to make overnight transition. You had to go step by step mm-hmm. and build the skill sets and make the right connections down the road. Why technology though? Because it's, it is. Where's the crossover between fashion and technology? What what is it that made you go? Okay, technology is going to be my. The the crossover, I would say, it's not overnight. The, mm-hmm. For the first crossover is that I want to do engineering. Okay. Just do not do fashion design anymore. Even if I like fashion, yeah. as you can tell. <laughs> uh, yeah, and afterwards is any engineering field. But after I start to join the engineering field. I start to talk to people, doing internship, and more specifically, I look into the entire product launch cycle cycle for any industries or any research field. Then I realized that my passion is really to impact more people as through a bigger like product launch or in a faster space. So therefore, in technology space, for example, using AI or building software, the product launch really fast and use through and like build some pilot within three months, take customer feedback and build something even bigger and faster. That's how I see that was. I was able to make some changes and make greater impacts through technology or AI okay. instead of in the relative slower-paced industry. That's why I made gradual transition into this new technology field. Okay, and and touching on something you mentioned earlier about mm-hmm. um, your father saying, as a woman going into yeah. fashion, that might be the right direction. It's quite a controversial subject, right, to to be talking about women in technology. So it faced is. with all of the other challenges, you know, going into a field that perhaps you weren't as experienced or skilled in, um, having to present yourself um, as someone who could potentially be good as a, a product manager, product owner, mm-hmm. but then also being a woman in the field. Yeah. How would you say that added to the challenge of getting into technology? 
Very good question. You're right. It's very controversial. And I, yesterday, I just took unconscious bias training for, for myself. I would say it, the challenge mainly came from two parts. And first of all, there is not that many role models mm. ahead of me. Mm-hmm. For example, as we all know, you need to network. Who you know really define your next step, right? Yeah. There are not that many women like me in general in the technology field, which I find it a little bit challenging for me to just network and associate myself with other people. And also on the other side, um, just in general, the perception of the first, first, let's say the first impression of having a woman sitting on a table, in general, people in the past, people have thought that, oh, she, she may not be playing an important role. Then I have to build the right skill set. For example, public speaking now became my strength. I need to use those skill set to let people see that I am the future leader. I am today the, the probably the smartest people in the room. You need to listen to me. Yep. So those, I can see challenges. I also see that there's ways to break those challenges. Um, I also believe that the entire society is improving. That's why today you guys are interviewing people like me. Uh, hopefully I can inspire more women like me so that we have more people ahead of more women like me ahead of me or after me. So we'll build more pipeline in the future. Thank you for this opportunity, by the way. Hey, no problem, no problem. Um, but that actually leads me on to one of my next questions, which is you you run your own YouTube channel. Yeah. And, and you run a channel that's quite relatable for people who might be thinking about either going into technology or thinking about progressing in their career or maybe trying to negotiate a certain situation. You, you, you kind of touch on these things on your channel, right? Yes, exactly. So I launched this channel in about a half year ago, specialized in negotiation and influence. And my target audience is actually like engineers or people who want to make career transitions. And the main topic is mainly talking about how can you use those kind of influencing and negotiation skill set help you to being able to say no, stand up for yourself, and gain the right opportunities for others to see your value and and being able to step on to achieve your dream. That's the purpose of the channel. But you're also right. Uh, the, the, the other purpose of my channel is to set some kind of role models for other people. Mm-hmm. And right now, honestly, on the media, there's a lot of great stories about uh, somebody else dropped from Stanford and went to Silicon Valley and had a startup. He fell three times, the fifth one, he found Uber or something, right? But not everybody's success pattern is like that. So my sex, I wouldn't call it success. My way of a curvy road is getting where I am, I think, Maybe there's small percentage of people sharing the same like road. You didn't come from the the best schools or best family it has the right influence when you grew up. But people want to get to the next level. I just want to share with them the the true side of like how the hardness have been through, what kind of like emotional challenges or like mindset changes I have to make in order to finally have some kind of breakthrough to get to where you are. Life is a matter song to me. I mm-hmm. think there's many more new opportunities that everybody can create, but there's many paths to reach the 
finishing line of the marathon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the YouTube channel is about. We'll share the link of the YouTube channel at the end, but I think um, there's probably a lot of the, the videos that you share that are just not relatable to only engineers. Yeah. You know, people in any field could probably watch these videos and get quite inspired. Yeah, um, exactly. But moving back to the technology, obviously, because mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons we're here. Um, if we're talking about edge computing, you know, what would you say is the most exciting thing that you've seen in that space to date? There, there are so many exciting things happening. So first of all, let's introduce the concept of edge yeah. computing. And not many people have fully understood this before. So mm -hmm. in general, in a high level, you can see edge computing as decentralized cloud compute. I say this is today, you can see lots of technology is happening the, the computation is running in the cloud. Let's say the AWS cloud, Azure cloud, and many clouds today. But what if we run those computation directly in the edge of network? Means could be directly in your phone or directly at the end of the cell tower. So you bring the brain, smart brain computation directly closer to customers. Just like your camera today, like doing interview, could have AI in it, mm -hmm. automatically select whatever I said was correct and forecast to the audience directly without doing offline editing. Because I added my own YouTube videos for a while, guys. Some of my videos took five hours, up to five hours wow. to edit one video. I was crazy. Maybe you can teach me how to make it faster. Between two hey, to five sure. hours, you guys. <laughs> yeah, things like that. If we can bring AI into the camera today and run those, save my time, save my five hours into five minutes. But how would you do that? Because let's say today's camera is specialized in having amazing lenses and looking at me right now, right? And having the amazing microphone. But not all the cameras today have the brain power to process AI inside the camera. Mm -hmm. But how can we bring this AI, a brain power, computation power closer to where the camera is? That's what this edge computing is able to empower. This is just one of the real examples that everyone can relate to, especially with filming this right now. Sure. So, so when we're talking about artificial intelligence in edge computing, mm -hmm. like how is AI empowering edge computing now? So let's say is I would say the other way around is edge computing empower AI. Okay. So I can give you two examples. So first yeah. of all, let's say the product I launched for smart cities mm -hmm. was the one to use AI and IoT system using smart cameras with different kind of sensors to help cities reduce car crashes. And what we learned was that the cities had very hard time to really pay for all the smart cameras, those equipment. That was because those smart camera takes like thousands of dollars, mm -hmm. right? It costs thousands of dollars. But cameras today, the cities already have like thousands of cameras in the infrastructure today, but it was installed maybe 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. They're just streaming videos back to the, the cloud today. If we use edge computing, to bring the down camera into a smart camera. Oh wow, okay. Then thousands of cameras today, we don't need to swap into smart Canon cameras, right? And just change the brain. Now, dumb camera can become the smart camera 
you still use the same AI algorithm that our company developed, but push it directly into the dumb camera, and suddenly it can process all kind of like smart algorithm to help cities reduce car crashes. Wow. So that's one of the example I say edge computing empowering AI. That's, I, I can see that one, one of the early adopters could happen in that way. Okay. And the second example I want to give you is, as you guys must be a big fan of Tesla, so am I. So I need to <laughs> bring some example for people that they can relate to. Is that, so I believe about a year or a half ago when Tesla released their uh, the Model 3 on the market, there was a competition to compete who is the farthest, fastest car in the market. At that time, Tesla was competing with a traditional like automaker like Ferrari, those stuff. The first competition, I believe Tesla lost at that time. Like somehow, of course, when you just get uh, getting started. But the result was, the true motivation for Elon Musk to push his engineer work really hard. What and it happened was he made his engineer to upgrade the algorithm. And they did overnight like uh, upgrade of the software in the Tesla car. Then had another competition again. So the same car? It's the same car. Right. Then the car was able to become the farthest car ever, like three, I think it's like, uh, what's the speed? Like uh, zero to 60 was in 2.8 milliseconds, the insane, something. The insane the, mode, yeah, right? yeah, the insane speed, right? So those kind of upgrade was empowered through today, for example, in the past, through right. like from cloud to a car. But if you can use edge computing and tomorrow you can just upgrade your traditional car into a souped up car through those like powering AI to the edge of your car. That's one of the examples I'm very proud of regarding what the potential can look like. So Tesla is just one of the examples that's innovating today's automated industry and I believe we're able to use edge computing in like retail or manufacturing space. Potentially there were more Tesla for other space as well. That's how I see those two are integrated. Interesting. So if you were to predict what's gonna be exciting in twenty twenty, haha. Where would you where would you kind of put your interest or or is, is twenty twenty too short sighted? No, no. Something will definitely happen in twenty twenty. And first of all 5G will be in lots of cities in 2020, 100%. It's not future, it's today, it's happening today. And also in 2020, what I can imagine is that there will be more AI in automation. So lots of people thinking about AI regarding, well, we're going to do something crazy, facial recognition, whatever, those has, is there already. Now it's about improve those automation application-wise. I think the algorithm itself can be improved. In 2020, it's more about more adopters mm -hmm. using similar kind of algorithm being applied to traditional spaces. Maybe there will be AI-powered Uber car in the future. I don't know, something like that. But I can see more adoption, massive adoption of putting more AI in day-to-day -day operations in 2020. Interesting. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your insights. Um, how do people kind of get in touch with yourself, Nancy, if they wanted to, to talk about the space? 
awesome. So people can find me directly through my YouTube channel, mm -hmm. Dr. Nancy Lee. So you can find me there. And in addition, you can also go to my website, negotiationlabs.com, which is where I have small group training about negotiation and influence and how to sell yourself, helping people to make career transitions. So two places and feel free to email me anytime. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Luis. So thanks for watching, guys. Um, really appreciate your time. We're going to be hopefully connecting with more thought leaders within the AI space throughout 2020. So if you're interested in speaking or meeting up and, and talking about specific subjects, then feel free to get in touch. Thanks.